The first lesson this morning comes to us from Psalm 66, 1 through 9. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among the mortals. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. And the gospel lesson this morning comes to us from Luke 10, verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go on your way, for I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when, whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Now the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Indeed, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Pastor stood up on Sunday morning and said, I'm going to preach a sermon on forgiveness. Now, before I, before, this, before I start, the sermon starts, how many of you people have forgiven your enemies? And half the congregation raised their hands. So the preacher preached his sermon after he finished. So how many of you are ready to forgive your enemy? And all of the congregation except one raised their hand. And he said, Mr. Bruce, why haven't you forgiven your enemy? And Mr. Bruce said, Pastor, I'm 97 years old. All my friends and enemies have died. <laughs> friends, in chapter 9, verse 51, we are told that Jesus sets his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. From chapter 9, verse 51, to chapter 19 in Luke is a travel log of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. This is Luke, if you would, outlining and expanding what Jesus said and did as he makes his way toward the cross. I, I bring this, this up first because it's a turning point, turning point in the Gospel of Luke. You need to know that up to this point, Jesus' ministry has been centered in Galilee. And Luke has decided by the Spirit of God to focus upon the works of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. Now, in chapter 10, he's going to focus on the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And the rest of the book, you're going to see a lot more red letters if you were to be reading your Bible. From the works to the words, from the miracles that Jesus performed to the message that Jesus spoke. And why is this? Since, since he's on his way to Jerusalem, he has little time left. And in that time, while he's on the road with his men, with his disciples, with his learners, those who would be his apostles, the ones that would be sent out, he was prepping them. He was prepping them. He was getting them ready. And he is using this time with his words to teach and train them in preparation for what lies ahead, preparing them and us for what will be accomplished at the cross. So, so Luke, if you, if you wanted to follow it this way, it may be helpful. In Luke chapters 1, 2, and 3, he gives us the advent of Jesus Christ coming into the world. And then from chapter 4 through chapter 9, we get the activities of Jesus Christ. But now, because he's on his way to the cross, we're going to see some antagonism towards Jesus Christ. It goes from the miracles to the messages, from the works to the words. But there is also an underlying growing antagonism against Jesus so another way to look at it, we turn from the revelation of Jesus the Christ to the rejection of Jesus the Christ. And it will culminate at the cross. 
Now, through your Bible studies and Sunday schools and whatnot, do you remember chapter 9? At the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus sent out just the 12. Jesus sent out just the 12. He sent them out and they came back all excited. And Luke is the only one who gives us this information. Jesus now sends the 70 or 72 others like he he sent out the 12. I wonder why he does that. Why does he do this? Well, I'm going to give you my opinion on this at least. Certainly, it's important to us when we read through the Bible. We come to the number 70 after Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, who told Moses, you know, Moses, you're overworked. You're doing this work all alone. You need help. You need helpers. That's Exodus chapter 18. So by the time we get a few chapters later, Moses has already appointed 70 elders that he has picked out for leaders to be a, who would be captains among the multitudes. 70 of them, ruling elders. And these elders would eventually be known in the New Testament times as the Sanhedrin. As the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the ruling council of the Jews centered in Jerusalem. However, there's something else in Genesis 10. This is after the flood. There are 70 names that are given that represent 70 nations that were developed around the world after the flood. And these were the heads of those families and they became 70 nations. It's called in the Old Testament, the table of nations. When Jesus sent out the 12, I believe that it corresponds to the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's interesting that Jesus only chose 12 who would be the closest to him when he sent them out in chapter 9. He gave them very narrow instructions, if you remember. Jesus said in Matthew's account, we have to kind of go back and forth in the Gospels to get the whole story. He he said, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, you you 12 are going to go on a mission to the Jews. Then in chapter 10, he sends the 70 or the 72 out of all the places where Jesus is about to go. And I believe that Jesus sending out the 12 corresponds to the gospel going to Israel, to the Jews first, but then to the Gentiles then to the Gentiles also. Go to the lost sheep of Israel, then go to the Gentiles. Go to all the villages. And he's on his way down from the north down to the south. Now Luke is is drawing this correspondence that we might see a foreshadowed form of the universality of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is for the whole world And it brings hope to us some 2,000 years later because the gospel has come to us for us to spread. We now are included in that 70. But, But notice the instructions Jesus gives to them. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go and complain that we need more laborers. No, that's not what he said. 
That's not what he said. It doesn't read like that. Uh, but I don't know why so many of us do that. We feel that the work gets hard. We need to complain. You, you know, we need more kids. We, we need more workers around here. It seems like I'm doing everything. We need more young people. We need more young families. We need more members. We need more money. We need more teachers. We need more people to come back to church. Yep. But Jesus gave us the answer. He gave us the tools to this perceived problem. If we think we need anything more, then pray to the Lord of the harvest. Get, get on your knees and, and pray. God and God alone will call a person or people, and God alone will send people. So what's the answer? When we need more workers, pray to the one who sends out the workers. When we need more teachers, pray to the one who sends out the teachers. It's God's work, not ours. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the, har the laborers. Notice, notice also that it didn't say supervisors. You just, don't, you just need laborers. You just need anyone who would say right over here, Lord, you can use me. Send me. Here I am, Lord. I'll do it. I believe the essence of the Christian's message extends far beyond any particular time or space. Neither is it limited by the one who shares it or the venue in which it's heard. The life-changing power of the gospel may be expressed in a wide variety of languages, in infinite number of places, by a number of different types of teachers and preachers or leaders, and yet at the center, at the center of the message, is the hope that's offered to every one of us in the name of Jesus Christ. That message, that, that hope, is that Jesus Christ was born, lived, taught, suffered, died, was buried three days and rose again so that we might be forgiven and that we all might have eternal life. Not for some of us, but for all of us. Friends, at this table, at this table, Jesus has no favorites. And all are equal in his eyes, regardless of our gender, regardless of our race, our status, our sexuality, our age. Jesus shows us at this table, his table, that nothing is more important than empathy and love for one another. And that's why we gather around this table, his table, the table of remembrance, remembering the hope, love, promises of Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is our Lord and Savior. Come now to the table of grace, all of you that are baptized in the triune God, join him and the saints that came before us to sup and be fed. Amen.
Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.